Hey everyone, I'm Mike Goldsworthy. Yeah, and I'm Blake Bryan, and we want to welcome you to the Tomorrowland Church podcast. Uh, we created this podcast to explore innovative ways transformational leaders are leading and reimagining the church for tomorrow. With that said, let's start the show. You want me to sing it? Yeah. Oh man. I, I, well, now they put me on the spot. <laughs> Come on, I'm gonna do. We'll be waiting for you. <laughs> that that's the creepiest version of that song, that, right? Yeah, no, that's super creepy. Friends, welcome back to the Tomorrowland Church <laughs> podcast, uh, where Blake is working on his music career here. Blake, um, I'm a starving artist. <laughs> you're a, you are a starving artist, and you're going to keep starving with with that voice. I think. So, yeah. <laughs> for for our millennial and younger listeners, what what is that the the song from? Yeah, I think it's from Three's Company, if my yeah. memory serves me right, right? We used to watch that when we were young kids. We did. We did. You're a child of the 80s, too, aren't you? I am. I am a product of the 80s. What was something... Saturday morning cartoons were a big deal in the 80s. Like oh, yeah. my My kids don't get that because like when they're growing up, what they got to do is like turn on Netflix and watch whatever episode of whatever show they wanted to watch. That's right. Um, but you and I had a different kind of growing up experience. We like had certain shows on at certain times on Saturday mornings. Like, did you have anything that was one of your go-tos that you had to yeah, watch? I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember um, if it was Saturday morning or not, but you know, there was uh, you know, Thundercats was a huge one yes. for me. Um, you know, GI Joe, you know, that was mm-hmm. fantastic and influenced most of the toy requests that I had at the time. And um, yeah, what was, Oh, he man, you know, I was, He-Man, you know, Transformers, He-Man, Transformers was a huge one. Um, yeah. All the classics, man. Just iconic, iconic memories. Those were those were good times. And um, what's interesting is we're like just even starting to talk about this is I think what happens sometimes for us is we get really nostalgic about our things of the past. And we're like, well, why aren't our kids having that kind of experience? Right. Because our kids have a different kind of experience. And sometimes our our clinging to the past keeps us from being able to see the new thing that's happening and being able to move forward. Right. Which is exactly what we do in church. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's a good point. And um, yeah, I think, you know, it's one of those things that's really important to understand kind of the heritage and where we come from, but, you know, not let it bind us, so to speak, or prohibit us uh, from seeing what God has out uh, ahead of us, you know, and uh, being able to be uncomfortable, you know, with with stepping out and moving forward, you know, because sometimes you look back and you go, man, that wasn't that good. So, you know, I love the A-team. But yeah. I watched an episode about three months ago. <laughs> My goodness. I mean, that was cheesy. You know, there was there was some big cheese factor. But, you know, at the time, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so, like, yeah, there's something about, like, what ha- we have this, like, nostalgia that grabs our heart. And we think, like, that's the way it should be. And we remember things through rose-colored glasses. That's right. And we forget. We forget what it was actually like because we sort of, like, our memories trick us a bit into um, over-sentiment over sentimentalization. That's a good word, man. It is a good word. I can't even say it. 
I'm impressed. Yeah. You know, we, we thought at one point mauve carpet in the 1990s was, <laughs> you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread and every, every church in America, <laughs> you know, I think was <laughs> getting some shade of mauve carpet, but you know, now we look at it and, uh, maybe, maybe not. I think we start yeah. to question what we were thinking at the time. For sure. Well, so this all brings us to today's guest, Kim Myers. And Kim is not um, the equivalent of Mav Carpet. That's not why we're transitioning in that way. But Kim was a part of a church that was incredibly influential, that um, had grown quite a bit. It was holding conferences. Churches from all over the country were coming to that place. And, um, and it would be really easy for Kim to be nostalgic and to just look backwards and to be talking about the future of the church by like, well, this is what worked then. And this is when we were really rocking and this is what was really happening. But, but Kim has been moving forward into some new spaces and um, I really appreciate just kind of her heart and passion for the church. Um, You've known Kim a lot longer than I have. Why don't you share a little bit about like how you've gotten to know Kim over the years? Yeah, we were, um, you know, Kim actually brought us into uh, the church that you're you're speaking of um, to help them, you know what I mean, to really help them tell their story um, from a branding perspective, but then really trying to take that that understanding of who they are, uh, the brand, and then try to, you know, implement that in all of their communication platforms. And that's where we really got to, to know her. And that was... Uh, a real success uh, for us and, and I believe them over at Granger. And uh, we're really proud of the work that we did uh, with her. And man, she is just fantastic. She's dynamite. Um, if any of you know her, you'll, you'll know that, yeah, you know, she's a, she's a firecracker. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, she, uh, she's just incredibly smart um, and incredibly likable and outgoing. And uh, so we, actually uh, reached out to her after that and asked her if she would want to do some consulting on our behalf. You know what I mean? Because that was something that she was starting to look at on her own when it came to church communication. And so we had worked together on a few uh, projects and it just seemed like, man, this was this was something that was meant to be for us. And we've actually been working with her um, ever since. And, uh, you know, Kim and I just personally were able to work on quite a few things um, in the area where she, she works, you know, we got to work with the Milwaukee symphony together. We got to work with the Milwaukee unified school district, the Chicago unified school district. Um, I I mean, just some, some amazing clients that we were able to tag team together. And so I have just always been blessed and impressed, uh, by Kim Meyer. That's fun. And blessed and impressed by the way, is your next album that you're going to be singing on. Uh, that's (laughs) correct. It'll be on iTunes at the end of the week. Um, so I'm excited for uh, everyone for you to get to hear our time with Kim here. Uh, just a couple of notes as we get into that. Um, you should know at some point we had some sound issues with Blake's gardener because um, Blake is, you know, too big of a deal to cut his own grass. <laughs> so, so at some point in the interview, you're going to you're going to hear some background noise and that's going to be Blake's gardener. And um, I think that you should know we had um, we've. We we're figuring this out as we go. We're just kind of like stumbling through this, which is completely obvious to anyone who has listened up until this point. <laughs> but um, we we figured out we were having some issues with Blake's mic early on, but we didn't want to re-record those because we thought we had some great content, and so we think that we have it fixed now. So um, yeah, so check out this interview with Kim Meyer.
Well, part of what you can even say, like uh, when you're uh, your vulnerability, because there's a lot of things that Storyland and the studio in Plain Joe Studios, you guys are the experts. Like you are Tomorrowland. That some of the blue sky stuff, some of the ideas you show up with, people are like. And for you guys to get real vulnerable and real, and be like, we needed to like, we needed to like mop up what we're spilling. We needed to smoke what we're selling. And we are talking to all of these clients saying, get out of your comfort zone, try something new, take some risks, mess up. And we realized that we haven't done that in a while. So this podcast is our way of doing that. Like showing people that you're not going to take them places you're not willing to go yourself. I think that's a really neat thing. Well, welcome to uh, Tomorrowland Church uh, podcast here. Today, we have Kem Meyer joining us. And Kem Meyer is a good friend of the studio. We've had just a fantastic relationship with her. And it's been, what, like 10 plus years that we've been working with Kem, which is which is awesome. We're totally blessed by her. And uh, Kim is a communications consultant, brand therapist, if you will. You may uh, know her by her book, Less Chaos, Less Noise. And that's uh, that was uh, the name of her company. But now I can see Kim that uh, we now have KimMeyer.com. So excited about that. Welcome to the show. And tell us a little bit about the transition. Well, hello. Thanks for trusting me to be on this show. Who knows what I will say? <laughs> You didn't even give me any guardrails. So yeah, we may be we may be uh, regretting that later, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, well, here's the story. Are you ready? I haven't told anybody yet. Oh, I like that. I like the we we get the exclusive. Yes. So I wrote the book, uh, less chaos, less noise, and then when I went out on my own and passed the baton. And left the church staff and became a consultant. I'm like, I need a company name. Hey, I like my book title. I think I'm just going to call it that. Because it feels weird to have a company named after you. And so I'm going to call it Less Chaos, Less Noise. And for the past seven years, people were like, that's not a company name. That's a book name. Uh, and so for seven years, it confused people. And uh so I finally got embarrassed enough that I just changed it during COVID. Yeah, so it's real simple. Less cast, less noise is the book. Uh, the other thing is the church space was real familiar with less cast, less noise, and it wasn't real confusing. But for all of my not-profit clients and business clients, that really confused them because they thought I only did church work and uh, so that was another reason. So you know what? You can call me Kim. You can call me Al. You can call me Less Chaos, Less Noise, and you're going to find me. How's that? <laughs> and it was my COVID project. I did work on that in the first two months. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love it. KimMeyer.com. And it's K-E-M. It is. Isn't that ironic? I'm a communications consultant and my name's a typo. <laughs> is that when your parents named you did they say like oh we meant to name you kim but we screwed up like how did that no was i it wish a typo? it was a cool story uh i don't know if it's my because my i just my mom liked the name kim but she wanted it to be different so she swapped okay. the vowel i like it, it. that's it that's it <laughs> but that started you into the world on a um uh it's like you kind of fit in, but you're unique enough that you're just just outside. 
Yeah. Yeah. Me and the rap artist Kim. I don't even know who that is. I'm an I'm an old white man. Yeah. You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those for those podcast listeners that tune into the video on your landing page, you don't have gray hair yet, so either you're dyeing your hair or you're not that old. <laughs> you don't have to tell us which, Mike. You don't. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. You're by far the best looking man on this podcast. <laughs> I'll take that also. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cam, are you ready for us to, to walk you maybe through some questions? Yeah, please. Is that all right? Yeah, I hope I don't okay. get sleep right. All right. So as you've seen the endless number of organizations that you work with, whether it's church or whether it's outside the church, and you've just observed kind of different approaches to sustainable health and growth. You know, what, what resonates with you personally, especially as we kind of contemplate the future of the church. So as you've seen all these different approaches to the church health and growth, what, what approaches have you seen that just resonate with you? Like this, this is it. Like they got it right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they need to just multiply what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Those approaches have changed over the years. You know, I would answer that differently. Uh, maybe with every few years based on what culture needs, what our world is going through, what generation I'm living through. And I know 30, just under 30 some years ago, uh, my mind was blown. I was like geeking out when I was exposed to the, you know, the Western mega church model, you know, the professionalized corporate systematized. I was like, this is the coolest. It's not my grandpa's church. It's not my great grandpa's church. This is something that connects with me. We have figured this out. That really resonated with me yeah. just under 30 years ago. And I remember then thinking, someday this is going to be my kid's grandfather's church. But like, I think in the back of my mind, I didn't believe it. I thought mm. we had found a container that was special and that we had found a approach or a method that like, this is it. We have solved the church approach forever. <laughs> and then over time, I'm like, oh, we're not that special. It's just like every generation, you know, that needs reinvention. And so, Blake, it depends on the context. It depends on the audience that's being served. But if there's one common thread that I resonate most with, most with, it would be families of faith or congregations that are not afraid to change mm -hmm. because the world changes around them. So if we don't just keep stopping, taking inventory, what is it that our community needs? How are we embodying the love of Jesus, like incarnationally in our neighborhoods, living out our unique mission? We've got to reevaluate and that, and that changes and, um, and it's being crowded out. I'm so I, it's, and it looks different for everybody. Just, just like getting back to the basics and evaluating, kind of cleaning out the closet. So that that would be the one thing I resonate with, because there's things I think are beautiful in different church expressions I would never attend. Mm. Like that's yeah. just not my personality. It's not sure. my vibes. But I'm like I resonate with that because 
that's what a church should be doing. It should be intercepting and need. It should be feeding body and soul. Um, and sometimes we've got some great, like I was talking to a friend this morning and he talked about some of the stuff we do at church. We add some stuff on like multivitamins and it enhances our performance or it enhances our experience, but it's not the thing. Yeah. And if there's anything that these past few months have showed us that there's some things that aren't the thing that we need to be able to sit down. So I don't, is that, am I answering that question? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes, you know, it's, um, when, when, when maybe an organization sees a certain level of success, it almost becomes the formula and yeah. people don't want, you know, don't mess with the formula. <laughs> you, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And then the world changes around them, but they're still sticking to the, the formula. And I think over time they find that maybe that formula doesn't work as well as it maybe once did, you know, and yeah. those who are influencing our communities are now not influencing our communities. Um, and so have you seen maybe with certain churches or organizations that you work with, maybe some things that they do to make sure that they are, um, that they have an ear towards the community that they're serving or, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're looking proactively looking around them. Have you seen anybody kind of implement something in that, in that direction? I have. And the ironic thing, Blake, it's not necessarily the sexy stuff okay. because the sexy stuff is, is exciting. It's gratifying. It's that immediate, it's, it's shiny, happy. And there are some phenomenal, like sexy stuff out there, but it's not replicatable and it's not applicable or appropriate for a lot. So I'll give you a few examples I've seen. There was a mega church in Dallas. They had multiple Dallas metropolitan area and they had multiple locations. And they had a lot going on, right? A lot of ministries, a lot of locations, a lot of activities, a lot of technology, a lot of staff. And once they got their bearings, they had the courage to break things down uh, back to a minimalist approach. So they stripped down their site. They only listened to the essentials, like how this is how we're connecting with each other. And here's how we're meeting the needs of our community because nothing else is, is relevant right now, right? Nothing else is relevant. And because they did that, they realized that the experts that they had on staff were not the experts that their community needed. Mm. And so they redeployed their staff to start developing partners, partnerships with people in their congregation. So they were not like they had, I don't know, maybe 60% of their staff was oriented to stuff that had to do with the facility, right? And the facility was not going on. And so this is what happened. The staff went out and they're like, okay, right now we have families that are just like drowning because they're homeschooling. We've got marriages that are stressed out on the brink because they're trapped in quarantine and they're not their best self. So we've got mental health, we've got relationships, we've got, we've got, two working parents that don't know how to do school. Plus they're not just doing school. Their kids are experiencing trauma and change. And so they started reaching out to the experts in their congregation, the mental health professionals, the preschool teachers, um, some of their technology gurus. And they started hosting little zoom webinars with the members of their congregation being the expert hmm. and the church staff was the facilitator. Because at that moment yeah. in time, that's what people needed right then. That's not a forever strategy, 
but it was it's crisis. So like I thought that took a lot of courage. Yeah, that's great. No, to that's put awesome. stuff on hold. There was um there was well I I was impressed with my own church uh, when it hit. The first question they asked was not, oh my gosh, how do we how do we keep gathering? How do we keep the sermons going? The first question was, wait, first priority, how do we keep our church connected? That's the first thing we got to do. So we're going to solve that. We need to make it simple. We have all these small groups that are meeting all over the city, our little, our tables. Let's make sure that all of our tables are equipped to continue to meet virtually. Let's keep them where we may not be, where we may not be in person. We're still face to face. That connection was super important. And then, then they figured out, okay, how do we gather around our shared teaching? Then how do we respond to the needs of our community? It was real simple and it was sequenced. And it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, because I'm not, I'm not judging or hating on anybody that, that didn't figure it out right away or didn't respond immediately well, because we all were caught on our heels and it's, it all hit us at different times and you need a minute. You just need a minute. And the pressure that a lot of these pastors, I I spoke to a pastor this morning. He's like, I never signed up to be a virtual pastor. I never signed up for this. And so he's grieving, he's feeling pressure, he's reacting. And, and you've got all this pressure, the congregation, uh, unhealthy sometimes where the definition of the win for a pastor is to keep everybody happy, which is not a healthy definition. Right. Yeah. And the win of ministry is not to convert everything you were doing in person online but there's a lot of pressure to do that. And so I just want to, I hope anybody who's listening to this finds some encouragement that a simple approach can be the most helpful thing right now because life is more stressful and chaotic for the people you're serving. I don't care if it's your elders, your staff people. I'm not even talking about whether you're an outreach focused church or not. I mean, staff is at their mental health is deteriorating. Their yeah. trust in each other is is stressed to the max because they're running on fumes. Elders, you know, they may they may love Jesus, but they are they're drowning because yeah. they're trying to figure out how to manage their families or save their job or manage crisis that none of them were equipped to. So we got to get back to basics for now. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a great like- reminder. I like that a lot. Even like I was thinking of a friend of mine that I was talking to this week. He is on the board of an organization that that cares for pastors and that provides spiritual direction for pastors. And he was telling me, he said, I think we need to think of pastors right now as frontline workers. Like they're taking on um, the stress and care for others in a way that's very similar to frontline workers and we need to be caring for the pastoral community in that sort of a way, pastoral staff, elders, like you're saying. I think that's really significant. Um, I wonder, Kim, as you like think about these churches and the approaches that they've done that they're changing right now, and then even as you think about your own journey, you think of, of like what was really significant for you 30 years ago and important. And in fact, I was even thinking, I used to lead a ministry at our church that our website was notyourmamaschurch.com. And then at some point I became the senior pastor of that church. And, and it was like, oh, now it is like, now I'm, I can't, I can't be not my mom's church. It is like that. And at some point 
at some point we have to like create some sort of space in order to be intentional of thinking about the future, thinking about beyond the present moment and just responding and reacting. And I'm wondering for you as somebody who's creative, who's thoughtful, who's running her own business and all of that, what kinds of practices and rhythms, what intentional things do you do that help you to not just be reacting in the moment, but to be thinking beyond the moment, to be thinking about the future? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing, it's like I really uh, constantly flex. I wish I went to the gym as much as Blake. What do you, <laughs> you, got, you got a home gym now, Blake? Is that what you're doing? I do. I do. Okay, good for you. I wish I went to the physical gym as much as Blake, but I'm flexing my empathy muscles like on the regular, like learning how to see the world through somebody else's eyes and on, it's just one of my spiritual practices, which helps me stay creative. Right. Mm. Uh, and not get my nose against the glass and only see things. And so if there's something that's confusing to me or alarming to me, uh, offensive to me, I double down and I'll lean into that topic to, it doesn't mean I have to agree with any of it, but I have to understand it more. And so right now, uh, whoo, I got plenty of things to lean into. There's some complex things and, yeah. uh, trying to understand people's perspectives, um, that I will, I'll never walk that. I'll never walk that perspective, you know, um, trying to understand a generation I'll never be part of again. You know, like I'm an elder now. That is such a drag. And it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, there's wisdom that comes with that and there's a, uh, but you know, I You're wish the youngest I had... looking elder that I've ever seen. Well, thank you. But so, <laughs> like, there's a, there's a generation like, yeah, I'd like to say, oh, well, I'm, I'm hip compared to all my friends, but like, I'm not hip compared to the 20 year olds. And so just like, I don't know what it's like to be a 20 year old in 2020. Right. So and how so, are you learning that? How are you develop, flexing that empathy muscle? Is that reading? Is that one-on-ones? Oh, it's, it's all kinds of things. So it's reading, it's one-on-ones, it's watching shows that I have no interest in. Hmm because you'll, you'll experience a different slice of the story. It's listening to podcasts that do not sound interesting to me. And so I just go on a learning journey to expose myself to new content, new voices. And sometimes it's annoying voices. Like they're annoying, really annoying. But I lean in because I know I have something to learn from this. There's something beneath it, right? It may not be my style. And I don't, I don't want to be the crusty elder, right? That's all curmudgeon and judgy. Like I, I have so much to learn and I really believe in that, that multicultural, multi-generational discipleship and learning journey. And I have to model it. So it's more, how can I learn from people who are not like me? So it's all of those. I mean, I'm telling you, it's movies, it's books, it's podcasts. And part of that I think is the, the baseline because I can't put my learning journey on somebody else's shoulders. So my baseline, I got to get a little bit of foundation awareness on some topics before I sit down with someone in that area. Because I can't be like, you need to be the voice of all of this and tell me all the things, all the things about being black, all the things right. about being a millennial, all the things about being a Gen Zer, uh, uh, be all the things about being a, a designer. No, I've got to, I've got to do my own due diligence first and then then lean into some of the relationships uh, to learn more on a personal level. 
That's good. I like that a lot. We do um, have some responsibility there, you know, do our own research. Uh, there was a church I talked to not too long ago and they said, you know what, we, uh, we need to start giving attention to this equity and inclusion for uh, people of color and for the black lives in our community. And so they went to a staff member and said, can you, can you write what our plan's going to be for the church? It was like one of the few people of color on their church staff. And um, I told him to go back to that. That's a great question, but it's not something you can assign or delegate because it's a very personal journey. Instead, take this back to your, your leaders and say, here's five or six resources. Pick one or two, like just pick one or two. Spend the next 30 days just kind of diving in on your own because this is a very personal journey. You've got your own upbringing, you've got your own experience, you've got your own um, lessons, and then let's get back together in 30 days, and you tell me what you what stood out to you, and let's kind of have a conversation before we start taking talking about how do we systemize this and how do we institutionalize this. Let's talk about this on a on a level, but you've got to do some base work. It can't be delegated. That's great. That is really good. I mean that that to me. Sounds a bit like um, if I were to come to you, Kim, if you were a part of my church and we had this realization that we're not empowering women well, and that I was like, oh, Kim is a strong leader and she's a woman. And so, Kim, why don't you tell us all of the things that women need to be strong leaders and to lead in our church well? And why don't, will you figure that out for us? Like that's this unfair burden being put on you that I don't have to do any work. And I don't have to realize my own complicity within that. And I don't have to, um, I, 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 I expect you to figure out all of the things. And I don't recognize the, like the differences between different kinds of women within Mm -hmm. our congregation. Mm -hmm. That's good. It also applies to technology. Like right now, I'm seeing that happen inside churches where you've got, uh, either you've got heady, heady theologians or heady, heady stage preachers that are like, oh no. And so they turn to like the 24 year old and like, I need everything online, right? Like, but they have a responsibility to provide clarity before you turn to the technology guy, right? Like, mm, sure. or the graphic guy. And for them to say, wait, look, here's where we're going. Here's what our strategy is for the next eight weeks. And here's what we want the outcome to be now. What do you recommend our approach should be? And so even if you're not the the tech guy or you're not the woman or you're not the person of color, um, you have some you you have to provide some clarity before you ask those experts, those content experts, right? Provide clarity about what you're trying to do, where you're headed, what you want the outcomes to be, so that they can answer intelligently. Because many times those specialists don't know where to begin because we're not asking them good questions. Right. I like that a lot, that um, we can't abdicate responsibility to um, the need to think about the future. It, it, we have to like be developing empathy, and we have to have a curiosity, and we have to have this learning posture ourselves and we can't abdicate that responsibility to others to do on our behalf. That's what I'm hearing you saying. Is that is yeah, that you know accurate? what I hear you doing, Mike? I well, hear you, you hear trying me? to get me to answer the question, and I wasn't answering it, was I? And you're no, no, no. <laughs> you, I feel like you were really well. I, I was okay, trying okay. to give a summary statement. Is that yeah, is yeah. that a fair? It okay. is fair. It is fair. We can't abdicate it, but uh, 
but we don't also, we also don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. We just got to have enough of the framework so we can bring in voices and get input and bring in some of the experts to round it out. But if we don't know what we're trying to accomplish. And so that's, you guys are asking about the church of the future, right? And I, I think it's a future minded. I've been having conversations with friends about tomorrow's church, right? And you guys have got this tomorrow land thing going. And what I think when you actually embrace tomorrow's church or tomorrow land, you have to think about something that's going to outlast you. You have yeah. to be future oriented. It forces you to break out of self-preservation or maintenance mode. So, but you need people who are grinders and minders. Right. You need people who are like running the manufacturing line. So you need both. And it, I think it begins with a self-awareness. Like if you're not the person who's forward thinking, how are we building something that's going to outlast us? Which if we're really doing that, we should always be just a little bit outside our comfort zone. But everybody can't live there. So we've yeah. got to provide clarity for the minders or grinders. Otherwise, it's like we talked about at the top of the podcast. Maybe we had the mic on, maybe we didn't. But the container, the container is not the container. Like you said, Blake, the, the success, somebody sees success and it becomes the formula. Yeah. Well, the formula that has worked for many of us for many years just got unplugged, literally. And so now we get to restart yeah. and we'll get to restart again. And this is a fluid component. Like the church of tomorrow is a church that has an answer. How are we going to feed people's body and souls if we have a building and if we don't? Hmm. We, we need to have two essential answers for both scenarios because... Yeah. I remember when I was coaching churches, when, when we in, implemented the children's check-in technology and everybody forgot what you do if there's no power and they were freaking <laughs> out. Like, don't you remember you just use stickers. You just use stickers, like tear the sticker in half. And so you've got to have an analog version and you can have a technology version, but at its simplest form, how are we keeping people connected? How are we providing hope and healing? How are we illuminating the good news online and off? Yeah, and I that, like that. Because yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I don't know about you guys. COVID's been hard. But if we lose the internet, that's when I'm really screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to kill a chicken. I don't know how to build a deck. I can't grow a plant. I don't Kim, know what I'm going to do. I believe in you. Thank you. <laughs> That's really good. Well, um, Kim, one of the things that, cause we've got several mutual friends and I told them that I was going to talk with you cause you and I haven't met before and I've known you, I've known of you as this great communications expert in the church. Like one of the, one of the people that everybody needs to turn to and look to be reading and contracting with to figure out like, how do we do communications well in the church, which matters significantly, maybe more now than it's mattered for a long time, but it's, it's churches are beginning to recognize its significance. But the thing that our, several of our mutual friends said to me is they said, don't just ask Kim about communications. Like she has this really broad, thoughtful grasp on the church that moves way beyond that. And so make sure that you're tapping into that. So I appreciate the things that you're offering here that are 
a lot bigger and broader than that. And so maybe as we sort of like wrap it up, would you be willing to um, just give us a few thoughts on what you think about like things you think about the future of the church that haven't been maybe implemented yet, things that maybe keep you up at night, the things that when you and your friends are talking about, like what could the church of the future look like? What Are you willing to share with us what some of those things might be? Some maybe even like a little bit tangible, like what could some of those things be? Yeah. Uh, what keeps me up at night maybe fuels it, fuels this a little bit. Uh, when we don't have healthy, like a, a healthy church, a healthy church has to have, um, has to be, has to be holistic, right? We've got to, we can't, but we're building silos with all these little, with these tactics and specialties and programs. And um, as painful as COVID has been for so many industries um, and the church, it is not, it's, it's not a death sentence. Hmm. I mean, it actually could be a rebirth. Mm -hmm. And so you talk about the church of tomorrow and what are some things that haven't been done yet. The funny thing is every recycle, every regeneration, every revival is just an overcorrection of the generation before it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we're living is an overcorrection of what we inherited. And we are all, I mean, I don't mean to I don't need to tell your story, but all of us on this call, uh, we're, we're passing the baton a little bit. We have a, we have a generation coming up behind us, beside us that inherited what we handed them. And so now it's our job to help clear hurdles so they can course correct. And Mm. so they're going to undo some of the stuff we did, right? Mm. Things that were amazing that were needed for the time. Yeah. And so we may have overproduced some things or over-systemized some things because they were so grossly underproduced and under-systemized before. Uh, we weren't measuring things. We inherited a church that wasn't measuring success, and now we may over-measure success, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I think the church of tom- tomorrow's church uh, still needs to have metrics of health. They still need to be professional, and they need to be prepared, but... The definition of excellence for the church of tomorrow is not the definition of excellence for the church that we've been living in for the past 15 years. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it may be a little bit more unplugged. It may be a little bit more analog. It may be a little bit less. Um, um, it may be a little bit less sterile and a little bit more organic. Uh, we don't need everything to be consistent. We just need it to be cohesive. And I saw a funny post. There's, there's, uh, uh, it was, what's his last name? He's a comedian. He's a Christian comedian. Jaron, do you remember Jaron Myers? Jaron Myers? He's, he's a Christian comedian, but he posted, I switched churches because, uh, the, this youth group had like Xbox games and candy, right? Uh, <laughs> that's why I went to youth group. Right. Uh, but the youth group of the youth of today, they're, they're quitting youth group, not because there's not candy or Xbox games. They're quitting because nobody's answering the questions they're asking, mm-hmm. uh, about a, a tough questions that the sure. church isn't comfortable with, you know? Right. So, um, it's going to look very different. So I think it takes courage to live in, 
tension that we didn't have to live in in the last 15 years because we had nice formulas and they were yeah. great. It wasn't about, I'm not indicting that. I, I just want you to know part of my journey. I wouldn't, I would not have a faith foundation. I would not know Jesus. It has changed the trajectory of my family, my hope, my identity, my purpose, my personality. I was such, such a crass, little shallow, self-centered, um, like going with the wind, impulsive kind of thing, you know, like it, but it took the church of yesterday to get my attention, but that's not what's going to get the attention of tomorrow's church. So that's a way that I'm answering and not answering him. But I've heard a couple of things that I thought were neat. There's a, you guys may have heard of, um, there's a little like house churches are coming back. Mm -hmm. Micro churches are coming back. It's like, we're going back to the basics, all things, nothing new under the sun. There's a dinner church movement that I've heard about where everything's around the table, which I am a big fan of that one. Uh, And so it's those simple human connections because that's where there's a great, great need. That's good. Did I answer? You did. You did a fantastic job. I think there's multiple quotes uh, that came out of that answer. So, well, Will Kim, I find that on your landing page? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Kim, you are so awesome. And uh, just talking to you reminds me of just the blessing that we have to, to work with you as we serve clients together as well. And uh, just your words of wisdom, it's always on point. And uh, we're just uh, so thankful uh, for you just uh, being willing to come on to our uh, our podcast here, uh, Tomorrowland Church. And I know um, just Mike and I are just so thankful again. And so we just say thank you, a big thank you uh, for making time. Hey, well, thank you, because I don't know if you remember, Blake, like you helped my church, right? Like mm. you helped me become... Uh, my ministry and my church, I was a client and we couldn't envision how to get over the hump, like architecturally with our digital, with our brand, with our storytelling. And you helped bring all of that in alignment. And um, so that was, that was well over a decade ago. (laughs) And, uh, and so I'm very grateful too, because you're too kind, (laughs) (laughs) too kind. All right, and that wraps it up for today's episode. Blake, um, I really enjoyed our time with Kim. That was the first time I got to spend a bit of time with her, and um, and she's just really quick and smart and thoughtful. And while she's known for uh, being an expert in communications in the church, she has so much more to say and to offer to the church. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the, one of the things that stood out to me was she talked about like. I I think one of the things I heard was for the church to move forward, it almost has to move small in some ways and not necessarily meaning small in size, but small in focus that you're focused on your neighborhood and you're focused on what, what's your unique mission as a church. Yeah. You know, that's right. I, you know, um, that's something that we really take seriously at, at Plain Joe, especially when we're talking about a church's personality, we see each church, as an individual that has a unique personality, you know, and you could have five to to 10 different churches, you know, on the same street, but theoretically God has called those, those churches to be unique and different and to reach different people, you know? And I think sometimes 
what happens is we we have when we talk to to senior leadership, it's like they they have this propensity to say, hey, we want to be like this church, or we want to be like that church, and we want to model ourselves after this church. And there's there's some things that are okay about that, but you know what's neat is that God called uh, different churches into existence in different times in different locations. Um, all for the purpose of leading people to Christ, but in different, unique ways, you know, and, and that's why we consider every everybody a different personality because they're gonna they're gonna look a little different, they're gonna think a little different, you know, they're gonna engage emotionally with people a little different, they're gonna speak a little bit different, you know, and and it's how do we, you know, how do we bring to life what that is so that the yeah. church can be the church's best self, not necessarily in comparison to other churches that they may be located near. Yeah, that's really good. And it's sometimes it's really hard to do that when you're like upfront in it, you're in the trenches and you can't always see what it is, or you've, you, maybe you started the church. And so you're not even able to like step outside of it enough, or you're just so emotionally invested in it. It's hard to see that a bit. And um, yeah, I've loved going through that process with several churches with plain Joe, where we, like help discover their personality profile That's or right. we help sort of like uncover like what is the unique story that your church is telling? And so what are the characters that are a part of that? What is the plot that's there? What's the setting? And we like help unpack that to discover the unique mission. Like that's really important for a church yeah. to figure out. And part of that is, you know, we, we use this approach where we actually will survey people, you know, we'll survey people in the community or sur survey people in the congregation, volunteers, leaders, um, eldership boards, things of the like, because what we want to do is set up cameras 360 around this organization, because sometimes, like you said, leadership may see the church as one thing, um, but it's helpful to get other people's input hmm. because it may not be consistent with how other people in the community or just people in the congregation see the church. That's really good. Yeah. So I like that idea that like the Tomorrowland church has to figure out its uniqueness, its unique voice, its unique mission. That's correct. Uh, yeah. I really appreciated then also that she talked about the need for multicultural and multi-generational leadership and discipleship and um, and creating space for, for voices that are different than you and that they're going to have different ideas. They're going to bring different stuff to the table. They're going to bring different backgrounds, experiences, all of that. And it's going to help you to not only see um, your faith differently, it's going to help you to think about the church differently. And it's not just about like, oh, let's figure out our target group and go after this group. But it's like, what if we bring all these different voices to the table? What if we're invested in a whole lot of different kinds of people and our church will develop a unique voice and mission as a result of that? I thought that's really significant. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the group thing can be really different, you know, very dangerous. You, you know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, I think Cam Meyer is just a, a huge believer in this idea of, uh, of divergent thinking. You know mm. what I mean? Where absolutely there's a certain set of core things that we need to believe and be on the same page about. <clears throat> but then there's there's a lot of topics where we can see things uh, very differently. And I think having those different voices and viewpoints, uh, I think, actually makes for for a healthier organization. Yeah, um, that's really great. Well, friends, thank you again for joining us on the Tomorrowland Church podcast. This was our fourth episode. And we are enjoying being with you for this journey, learning more uh, every time we do this. And hopefully we're getting better and better as we sort of like fumble forward with you through this, as we 
as we continue to just get to connect with people that we love and love what they're doing and get to bring you in on that conversation. And so the Tomorrowland Church podcast is produced by Caleb M. Henry. You can uh, contact Caleb at caleb.m.henry97 at gmail.com. Our music was written and produced by Scott Moore, who is at one more Scott, O-N-E-M-O-O-R-E, Scott at gmail.com. If you want to talk to Blake, he's Blake at PlainJoeStudios.com. And if you want to sign me up for spam email, it's Mike G at PlainJoeStudios.com. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to being with you again next time.